Hi, I'm Sarah Schweig of the Center for Court Innovation, and today I'm speaking with Phil Bowen. Phil Bowen is the director of the Center for Justice Innovation in London, an international project of the Center for Court Innovation that works to promote thoughtful criminal justice reform in the United Kingdom. Phil has just written a new paper called Payback with a Purpose about community service, or as it's called in the UK, community payback. And so today he's here in our New York office and we'll be discussing some new thinking about giving back to the community and what it can mean for offenders and communities here in New York and overseas. Thanks for speaking with me today. It's my pleasure. Um, So just to start off, I think, you know, many people would consider community service or community payback a good thing for the community. But can community payback benefit both the neighborhoods as well as the offenders? And how can it do that? Sure. I mean, I think community payback, when it's done well, focuses on local issues of concern to a neighborhood, the local problems, whether that be gang graffiti tagging or step streets that are sort of uh, feel unsafe at night. So payback should be a place where local law enforcement agencies and local neighborhoods come together to work out how they can use unpaid labor to solve problems in their communities. For offenders, it's about getting them to reflect on what it feels like to do a good day's work in that community and put something back to atone for the crime and the harm they've caused. So I think good payback should work at both those levels, looking at how to solve problems for neighbourhoods, but helping start offenders to move away from a life of crime. In this paper, um, Payback with a Purpose, you mentioned that the community payback system is sort of at a crossroads Mm -hmm. in the UK. Um, Can you speak a bit about this and maybe what led up to that and sort of where it is now? Sure. I mean, there's been a government policy since the election of the coalition government in 2010 to look at how they can open up state-provided services to other providers. And how that's kind of played out in the criminal justice field has been looking at community payback in particular and thinking about, well, how can we get other people to provide the service rather than just it being provided by the public sector probation trusts. Mm -hmm. So in July, the first big contract was awarded. It was awarded to a private firm called Serco, who have partnered up with London Probation to deliver community payback. So it is a, a sort of crossroads. You've got this sort of opportunity where you know, new providers can come in and maybe deliver it a bit differently. And I guess the theory of change is can they reduce, can they reduce the costs, reduce recidivism, and provide something that's maybe more meaningful to communities. And I would imagine, like, organization of these projects can be very complex logistically and um, in terms of, you know, the kind of bureaucracies that are in charge. Um, how do you think, considering that, considering how kind of the delivery on that mm-hmm. level can be kind of complicated mm-hmm. and politicized, mm-hmm. how do you think community payback practices can ensure that projects remain or maybe even become more meaningful Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. the communities they're meant to help Mm -hmm. and more meaningful based on the sentences that are being fulfilled. Well, I guess part of the purpose of writing the paper was to reflect on, like, what's the really important thing here? The important thing is having payback that works for communities that is engaged with local neighbourhood associations and civic groups, um, and that is really driven by local needs. And part of the point of the paper was to remind people of that because a lot of the discussion in the UK has been about contracts and how the money flows and who's going to commission. Um, So we have a concern that in that discussion about how 
payback will be commissioned, people might lose the picture on what actually really matters to victims and communities. So you've been looking at some lessons learned from community service practices in New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you speak a little about, you know, maybe some of the things that stood out for you in looking at these and also how they have helped potentially inform the new thinking Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. community payback in England and the UK? I mean, in many ways, what the paper does is it documents about eight or nine key principles that should be in any good community payback project. Some of those, in fact, most of those won't be news to practitioners in in England and Wales. I think in many really good projects, that's what's happening in England and Wales. What we wanted to do was to remind people of those principles and to make sure that um, however the new contracts and the new providers come on board, that has to be the core of what they do. There's a great opportunity that building on those principles, they can deliver something that's even even better. I think one of the things that is striking about the New York practice, which is maybe a bit different from what we have in England and Wales, is a lot of the centre of court innovation projects are based around courthouses. So there's a real priority on getting people right after they've been sentenced, put them into an intake office and fit them up from a mandate. And that mandate is worked as quickly as possible. So this sort of idea of swift and sure justice is one that is actually delivered here. It's one that I think in England and Wales people embrace and they get, but whether they're actually able to deliver it at the moment, I think that's an, right. kind of an open question. Right. There's some implementation there's issues. Some inf- yeah, I mean, there's a sort of classic anecdote that people you know, would do one day of community service every week and it would stretch on for months and months right. and it would take two weeks to get them started. Right. Now, I think that's a bit of a, a myth these days, but I think there's... The, like all myths, there's some truth in it, and there's some fantasy. Right. The paper does a great job of highlighting lessons from New York in the specific cases mm. and, and sort of talking about the larger picture, too. Mm. So, you know, New York and London are obviously both large urban areas, but I assume that while similar in that way, they also share many differences. What do you think, in general, are some of the things to keep in mind about applying lessons learned from, you know, one city to another or one location to another? Sure. I think it's a really good question, uh, and it's something that we sort of struggle with on a, on a daily basis of you know, looking at, in particular, projects in New York, but even further afield, how do we deliver those in London or in the UK more generally? And I think you know, one of the key things to do is to sort of move up a sort of level of abstraction and think, well, what are the key ingredients that mm-hmm. is making, say, the Red Hook Community Justice Centre work so well? It, and it's not necessarily about exactly following a detailed playbook, it's thinking about, well, these guys are really engaging very well with their communities, so that's what the core of our values should be. But part of the particularity of communities is understanding that they're all different and that you need to respond to those differences. So when we're advising practitioners about how to implement new ideas, it's we always try to make sure that we're clear about grounding it in your local circumstances, the assets of your community, I mean, one key difference, for example, between London and New York is we've got a much bigger state sector. You've got a national health service that provides socialised medicine. You know, those kinds of big, and they're big things. Um, So you have to always ground whatever you're trying to do in the circumstances that face you rather than try to think there's a sort of blueprint that's originating in New York and all we have to do is 
follow it exactly. Right. And so just as sort of a takeaway, since your paper really addresses mm-hmm. this sort of crossroads that's taking place in the mm-hmm. UK about public and private mm-hmm. services being utilized, what do you see as some of the potential advantages mm-hmm. coming about in the future mm-hmm. um, from, from that partnership? Well, I think one of the takeaways for, from the New York experience is to you know, tell practitioners in the UK that this doesn't necessarily have to be a scary thing, that it can lead to greater innovation, it can lead to sort of dynamic partnerships with community groups and voluntary sector organisations that maybe you've not worked with before. So it can actually really add value. But it's about being really clear about what the values and vision should be and having that collective vision. And that's certainly my takeaway from the New York experience has been that over sort of 15 years there's been this commitment to a particular vision of payback that's allowed New York to sort of go from a position where frankly community payback was a bit of a neglected service to something that's really vibrant and dynamic Um, so I guess our our, our message is embrace the change but embrace the right sort of change. That's great thank you so much for speaking with me today. I'm Sarah Schweig and I've been speaking with Phil Bowen of the Center for Justice Innovation in London about community payback to find out more about the Center for Court Innovation or the Center for Justice Innovation visit our website at www.courtinnovation.org thanks for listening